0: So Pastor Hans has been doing this wonderful series called The Advantage. The Advantage, I love it. I just i have gotten so much from it. So this past week he asked me, can you do this on Sunday? And initially my thing about my, uh, my, my blood froze. I said, I have to be in front of all those people. Because I'm usually behind the scenes. I like behind the scenes. I like doing stuff behind the scenes. So the, uh, But The Advantage, and if you remember the first time that he had us two weeks ago, is that he asked us to consider a couple things. First of all, read and meditate on the Word of God regularly, every day, everything. How many people agree that's a good thing? The Word of God is very cool. The Word of God gives us strength and direction. Guidance has everything that you have been wanting in your life. is so cool. And then secondly, also to keep a journal, which I've been keeping, thank God, for about seven years since I've been here. And so this is my journal. This is, I have about four volumes of it, and ever and there, there, what do I do? Right in there, I uh, write in there what I feel God is telling me about. And sometimes what he tells me about is because I ate pepperoni pizza the night before. Right? All right? So how many know what I'm talking about? Okay? Uh, but in there, say, well, what is God speaking? And this time, I tell you unequivocally, which I'm going to give you a lot of examples of this and everything, is that God is still speaking in this time. He is still wanting to speak to us individually, and he's still wanting to input into our lives his will, his purpose, his strength, and his power. That, that the advantage is, that today I'm going to look to go to it, the advantage of the supernatural in our lives all right the advantage of the supernatural now we can think kind of like spooky thoughts and all that guys that super and you know ghosts and all that i'm not talking about that black stuff forget that yeah that's real that's part of the devil the devil does all that kind of stuff but god is in the supernatural he is supernatural He has a different way of looking at things, that he wants us, he wants us in our lives to want to have conversation with him heart to heart every day of our life for us to recognize his voice in our life. And that's what the advantage is here that Pastor Hans has been showing about so great is the idea that he wants to speak, he is speaking, and that we have to be in a position. Now, it's very important. We have to be in a position I always say, I want to hear from God. I want to hear his voice. So that's why a journal is so good, because we are kind of finite kind of people. But you write stuff down, and there's been many, you know, I, I just can't even tell you all the times where God has intervened in my life supernaturally in ways where God brought a, a word, that he did something, that he shared something, and that in it being able to, now the question that always comes up with this, well, how about if I hear something like, I don't know, that you are to leave your, uh, leave your wife of, of 40 years And everything and go out. Well, that's not from God. Okay? I'm going to go and pound somebody's face in because of blah, blah, blah. Forget that. All right? We're not talking about that stuff. Now, the good thing is that all of us look after our children. Even if they get older, they're still our children, right? This is what God says about it. That Isaiah 30 says, If you stray to the right or to the left, you will hear a word that comes from behind you. This is the way... Walk in it. You say, "Well, oh, I, I don't want to get uh, you know into crazy stuff." No, you don't need to get. It. God will lead you and guide you. He, when you start getting unbalanced, He's going to bring you along, just like we. If we do that for our children, how much more God does in our lives? So He's always like, you tell them to come here, come there. Don't do this and there and everything." God is so much better. So very clearly, Jesus said very clearly these things: uh, John ten twenty seven, the sheep. The sheep that are my own hear and are listening to my voice, and I know them, now this is the part, and they follow me. God speaks, his sheep hear his voice, and I know them, and they follow me. We're going to continue on that with the advantage of the advantage of the supernatural. Supernatural. What does it mean? Let me give you a working definition. Supernatural means that that which is above, beyond, and a far higher and greater than the natural. God is supernatural. Angels are supernatural. God has them as His beings to fulfill their plans that in our lives, that frequently, because we live in the natural, we only grapple with the natural. We uh, say, we're sick, we're going through a hard time. So naturally say, well, you know, I need to go to the doctor and thank God for doctors and nurses, because there would have been millions and millions of people who would have died prematurely. And so they, there. But I'm talking about the supernatural, where God intervenes in different things that we, want we expect God to intervene in different things now you may not always know how he's going to there and that's where you have to say okay God I'm going to walk by faith because I don't know how this work out well you can say that that's true and I've said that many many times I don't know Ah, I don't like duh what do I do in this situation how many times I've said that to God but God always has a solution if you're willing to be his sheep and listen, say, okay, I don't understand. I'm living in the natural. I don't yet have a bead on what's going on. How many times have I said to God in my life, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what happened. I don't know what is happening. I don't even know what end is up. I don't, I don't understand this. But you know what? You go to God, and you're his sheep. You'll hear his voice. This is the way. Walk in it. See, there's a desire in our heart that has to be there. So look say, I want to hear from God on this situation. We can choose. We can choose. Yes, God has given us free moral agents. We are. That's true. That we can choose. Say, well, I'm just going to, this is what I see. This is what I'm going to do. And this is what I'm going to, Yeah, blah, blah, blah. You can do that. You can do it. All of us have the choice of it. Or you can say, you know what? I want to be the sheep of God. I want to hear his voice. And I want to follow him my lives we all have a choice in it so uh first timothy 117 says to the king of the ages immortal invisible the only god be honor and glory forever and ever meaning that he is supernatural he is above the normal but also god intervenes in the natural in our lives if we're listening to him if we want him to speak, now you may get it wrong sometimes. That's okay. You know what? Do your children do everything perfectly? Let me bring it down I'm more personal. Do you do everything perfectly all the time? Come on, it's not just your children. They came from you. Hey, come on, yay! Yeah, there, there, they the No, here, there you are. There, he, no. We always, you know, we can. Guess, but we can always go back because our loving heavenly Father never throws us away. He loves you in the middle of the mess you have created. Thank God for that, because I made a lot of messes. But God is good. He cleans up our diapers of our life. That's not a really good picture, is it, Bob? Creepy, creepy, creepy. Okay, I'll get off of creepy right now. Three things we're going to go for First of all, Jesus' supernatural authority while he was here on earth, our believers' supernatural authority that was delegated by Jesus, and then also we're gonna look at supernatural authority in our lives today on a personal level. First of all, Jesus' supernatural authority. Jesus was in a human body, but he was still fully God. He got hungry, scripture records, he got tired, he became weary. He became angered at the hardness of the hearts of people. He wept at the tomb of Jesus. He was fully human and he was fully God. He was God in the flesh, why because God wanted to show us that he loves us with an everlasting love. He put us in corporeal flesh for us to see that to us to see the radiance of God, the radiance and the goodness of God. In the beginning, God was the undisputed authority in all of the universe. Lucifer decided one day, along with a third of the angels, uh, scripture records, uh, that they decided to rebel against God's authority. It was not good enough. They were beautiful. Lucifer is told to be a very beautiful angel in that time. However, he became too proud for his boots. And so God, that God said, no, you cannot be. There's only one God. There's only one Lord. Here we are. And when Adam and Eve chose to eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil against God's command, Satan was allowed to have limited authority in the earth realm due to their sin and their rebellion. And ever since we see Satan do what Jesus said of him, that's John chapter 10, verse 10. You can probably recite it. The thief comes to what? Steal, kill, and destroy. Now, this is really important. When, if you want to know uh, what Satan is doing around you, when you see stealing, that means a lot of things, not just taking somebody's money, but stealing your joy, stealing your health, stealing uh, your children, your grandchildren, that they've gone away. That's not God's will for people to go away from him. All right? The thief has come to steal, kill, and destroy. So look out. Look around. Say, so you know, what's happening here? Uh, when he's trying to steal relationships in your job, where you're, there's, like, gossiping and all kinds of stuff going on, and people are whispering and all that kind of that the enemy is the one that is influencing them to do what they are doing. And we have to re- recognize that we do not wrestle against Flesh and blood. If you want to wrestle against flesh and blood, you're going to get blooded all the time. You will not be a good witness. Yeah, others, if you go to church, please don't tell them you go to Fountain of Life. I get worried. I mean, you know, honestly, I mean, I've, I've been in churches for like years and uh, I've been in, you know, say, oh, oh, you, uh, you, uh, do you know so-and-so? And I say, yeah, okay. Oh, he goes to your church and I kind of hold my breath. What am I going to hear right now? Now, thankfully, in this church, that's never happened. So I can give you a commendation. You must be acting really good. But in it is that, yeah, sometimes. So the idea, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said of himself, but I have come to give life, or what is called Zoe, abundantly. He offers it. The thief, that's his nature. He's never going to get saved. His end will be in the lake of fire. His devil and the angels and the new heavens are here. We're happy. We're looking for that. But you know what? The thief is always wanting to make inroads into our lives, in our minds, in our hearts. The best you is the one that God designed for you to be. That's the best you. God's plan for your life is what you would choose if you knew everything that your heavenly Father knows. You would say, absolutely, the will of God. That's right where it's at. But because we have a limited knowledge and things like that, everything, God's will can become fuzzy in our lives. But when we say to God, say, Lord, I want to go your way in, in my life, I want to be your man, I want to be your woman, your young person, whoever you are. Then when you start saying that to God, God perks up and says, wow, here we go. Let's go on the ride together. Here we are. The thief has come to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come to give life and life more abundantly. His ways are above us. Matthew 28, 18, Jesus spoke to his disciples these words. All authority, the word there means authority, although it's translated in different ways, but the original language is all authority has been given to me, that is to Jesus, in heaven and on earth. Ephesians 1 says Jesus is far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and every name that is invoked not only in this present age but in the praise to come uh, to, uh, in the one to come, Hebrews chapter one verse three. The Son is the in a word we don 't use effulgence, it says, but the Son is the radiance of god 's glory. When you have seen Jesus, you have seen the Father, he told his disciples that you want to know who Jesus is, who I am. You want to know who God the Father is? Just look at me. What did he do? Healed the sick. He raised the dead. He gave life to a prostitute that other people wanted to stone. He wanted, they wanted to kill her. All the religious people were around there. But Jesus said, no, the first one that has no sin, let him step up and throw the stone. And everybody from the oldest to the youngest put their stones down. See, God wants to preserve life. Yeah, well, I don't care where you're at, and I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, I want to speak very, very plainly, is that in it you may have made a mess of things in your life. And you are a Christian on top of it, and you profess Jesus, you love Jesus, but you've made some poor decisions. Let me tell you, come to Jesus today, lay the mess before him, and say, go on, get up. That I have new life, and I have new plans for your life. If you want to know who Jesus is, he's the one who takes your mess and turns it around for good to them that love God and those that are called according to his purpose. That is a promise to us in our life. How many messes have I made in my life where I've had to be humbled before God? Lord, I don't know what to do now. I don't know where I'm going. I'm serving God. Yes, and even was a pastor. Said, God, I don't God, I, I don't know where I'm going with this and everything. But I'm telling you, my heavenly Father and your heavenly Father never gives up. He is referred to in some places as the hound of heaven that will not. He is like a dog. It gets a bone and says, I'm sticking with this until we get what we need to have right here. He plants his, can I use like a corporeal thing, a body thing? He plants his feet and says, I have you, Tommy, in my sight. Yeah, you messed up, but I'm going to take it and turn it around for good. Here, that is what God offers to us in our lives. Oh, I messed up. I did this. I did that. Well, I'm going to tell you about that a little bit later. You'll be kind of shocked, hopefully, then probably will throw me out. So, Yeah, everybody has a past. Here we are. Disco Mike was my reality. That's what it was. Hebrews 4.15 says, if we do not have a high priest, Jesus, who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was at all points tempted as we are yet without sin. In your worst state, where you have messed it up and blown it, and you go to church, and oh, I don't know, and I read my Bible, everything like this, that in your worst state, he comes along and says, I am going to make something good of your life. He offers hope. He does not, the religious, the religious people say, stone him to death. He does not deserve to live. God comes along and says, no, he's mine. And I'm going to take him and mold him in the image of Christ. How many could say Amen. God is always a God of hope. I don't care how long it is. That in there you've gone through the loss of somebody that loves you and you love very much. And boy, it's hard. And you know, you just have so many things. I'm telling you that he took all your griefs upon him. And by his wounds, you are healed. Yeah. Hey. Sum up why Jesus came, was crucified. First John 3 8 says, for the purpose of God was to manifested or shown that he might destroy the works of the devil. The devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. You can always recognize him. And if you recognize him, then you're able to deal with it. But Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil, that it is not God's will for people to be killed all over the place. That's the enemy that is doing that. That he's given free reign. It's not God's will for there will be thousands of people destroyed in tsunamis and everything. God is good, and he is the one who brings life to people. He shows people a new way. He is your strength, he is with you. The enemy likes to steal, kill, and destroy because he wants to kill the image of God in your life, so that because he can never have the image of God in all of eternity. During the 33 years on, on, on the earth that Jesus had, we saw people healed, set free from demonic oppression, and raised from the dead. And Jesus experienced firsthand the human condition and became a conduit for the Holy Spirit's supernatural power to bear on situations and on people's lives. People were healed, delivered. Uh, it is a plan of Satan to destroy and mangle people. He wants to destroy families. He wants to destroy marriages. But he has come to give life and life more abundantly. God is always good. He is restorative. He is filled with love and mercy. Today, if you're sitting here today, let me tell you, please do not go out of this idea that God is against you. He is for you. He is for his plans for your life. He loves you with an everlasting love. He is not into throwing you out like garbage. You are a trophy of the love of God in your life. We must raise ourselves beyond this. the idea that that God is doing bad things. He, He wants to help people. I have seen too much supernatural intervention of God in my life, you've come too late to tell me that God does not uh, intervene supernaturally. He is the one who does it. He does it by his power. He works through his people. He looks for us to cooperate with him. Please say this with me. I want to cooperate with God. Now, how many people meant that? Oh, say it again. I want, I want to cooperate, cooperate with, God. with God. Yes, it is a cooperation. God will use all kinds of stuff in our lives. Sometimes it's, he'll use even bad stuff to get us around to the place, to get us around to the place where we will cooperate with him in our lives. He wants us to cooperate say, yes, God, I don't understand everything, but I can trust you no matter what. Jesus came to show it. All you need to do is read a little bit of the Gospels, and you'll see that Jesus is always the love of God, is being shed abroad to people and loving people, loving the people that the religious people thought were scum of the earth, but Jesus loved them and he showed them care and mercy, and he made out of them a new life. Secondly, also the believer's supernatural authority, as God has, Jesus is the authority. He is the epitome of authority in this world. He's given all authority. Also, we deal with it where believers, we, people that have received Christ as their savior, have authority from God. A new chapter opened up in the human history when Jesus came on the scene. Satan erroneously thought that by instigating the arrest, beating, crucifixion, and burial of Jesus, the plans of God would be thwarted. Not so. The enemy does not know everything. He does not know your future. He is not omnipotent. I, I'm aghast at different times of my own life, too, but also when I hear it, that the idea that, well, the enemy, uh, you know, he knew this and that. He is not omniscient. He does not know everything. God knows everything. He is the one who has everything set in place, and he wants us to trust him. And through obedience of Jesus on the cross and everything, that all of our sin, all the sin of all epochs of time, of world, men and women, young people, whatever, was all placed upon Jesus, and he became who he who knew no sin became sin for us. He died, he faked Satan's plan out. That he did Satan did not. Uh, Go and say, realize that Jesus was going to be raised from the dead, showing that he was over all of death, all of these things, that he was taken, that he was over everything, that he forgives sin and he took upon himself uh, and he was obedient to his heavenly father. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him, as in Jesus, we might become the righteousness of God. And so Jesus delegated authority to his believers. How many people are believers here? God, keep your hands up right now. You're a believer. You receive Christ as Savior there. Every one of you right now that Jesus Has given you authority over the work of the evil one. You put your hands down right now. It's cool. He gave it down. Now, say, well, where Where did you get that from, Pastor Mike? Here it is. I'm going to blow it on you right now. Here it is. Mark 16, 17. The words of Jesus, some of his last words to his disciples and apostles. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Okay, I got that. Okay. So chair. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. Now let's go on to the next part because this is where it gets juicy. This is say juicy. Ooh, juice. Say it again. Ooh, ooh, I love it, man. This is this is the good part. And these signs will accompany those who believe. These signs will accompany those who believe. They will go to church. At least once a week, they will listen to Pastor Hans' Bible study. Great Bible study. Excellent. I just love it. There. No, this is not what it says. It says here, these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons. Demons are fallen angels who chose to go with Lucifer. All right? Demons. Satan. Now, how is that? Well, I I never saw one. I mean, I see the little pitchfork thing. I'm not talking about that stupid stuff, okay? I'm talking about demons are used by Satan to influence people for evil, all right? So you're talking about, okay, I don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but the principalities and powers, okay? he goes on. So demons, yeah, real big. That is a big need today. It's going to get more as we're going along because we're coming into what God is wanting to do. They will speak in new tongues. How many are believers here? I will not ask you if you speak in tongues. You need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. I say that unequivocally without any... Fault of saying, hey, listen, if you're not, you need to ask God. Say, Lord, I need more power in my life. How many people need more power in their life? Come on, let's say it again. How many people need more power in their life? We need more power. We need the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Not just to tell people about Jesus, but, uh, you know, hey, Man, I'll share that a bit later. Uh, in there is that we need power in our life to be people that love God and follow what God wants to do. And he goes on to say these things: all right, they will pick up snakes with their hands, and when they drink, uh, when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will place their hands on sick people, and they will get well. Please do not be immature in this. He is talking about symbols. He is not talking about you finding a water moccasin around your back and you're going to pick it up. Please don't do that, all right? All right? Please, you're showing immaturity in it. Say, well, what it means is, well, when when people are acting like snakes around me and it seems like I'm going to be bitten all over the place, that Jesus stands with me and he is my strength. And, it, you know, it could be that you're, you know, in your yard, you have a snake. Last year, last year, I had the fright of my life, man. I was there. I was, uh, it was in the morning. So we live in Hertford. All right. So don't hold it against me. We love Hertford. Yeah. Don't speak against Hertford to me, please. Or else I'll take you to the altar and we'll get the demon out of you. Right. Right. I love Hertford. I think it's great. Anyway, so I wo- I, I'm trying to get the screen door out uh, there and uh, pushing it to go out or something like that. And I say, boy, this thing is not opening. I wonder what's the matter. So I finally looked down in the next couple of minutes, this four-foot snake. And I said, oh, my God. Do you really deliver me from these things? <laughs> I was. It was right there in our door. I said, oh, my God. What do, I do? what do I do? So I pushed the door a little bit, and he started to get irritated, and he started elevating his head like this. Oh, my God. All right, do you really take care of snakes, Jesus, right now? And there. So then after just about period, after I pushed him and irritated him enough, he finally slid it off underneath my card, which was, Oh, thank you, Lord. This scripture must be true. It must be deadly poison. It will not hurt them. They will place their hands on sick people, and they will get well. See, this is the authority That God gives us but let me share with you you must if you want to see this authority in your life active not just some type of creed that we have for the Pentecostal holiness church you have to you have to in your life decide today or someday here that I am going to cooperate with God. That in your time with God, I'm going to cooperate. Read the word of God. Get it in your hearts. listen to the voice of God. Because the more you cooperate with God, the more authority, can I say this? The more authority he can trust you with. The issue is not with God. There is no, absolutely no problem with God. There is no shortage with God. But he is scanning the earth in these times to see whose hearts are loyal to him that he may show himself strong on their behalf. The issue is not with God. Stop saying these things like, well, you know, I've been sick for all this time, God is not intervening. There is no problem with God. And what I've learned through the years, this is a, the little pea brain that I have in my head. And there I'm telling you, it's never a problem with God. It is always me that needs to be going with God. I'm the one that has to change. God does not change. He doesn't have to. He is a healer regardless of how you feel. He's a healer because he loves you and he cares for you and he sees the human condition and he wants to show mercy and care to people for people to know that he is a loving God. The supernatural operations of the Old and New Testament, there's just so many, but I've just picked out a few things to mention quickly. First of all, Elijah and his servant, 2 Kings chapter 6 that the two of them were there. They were being surrounded by enemy armies. Uh, they're afraid. They're scared. Elisha wasn't scared. His servant was scared. See, oh, God, there's so many people around here. And Elisha prayed something that I believe that is a prayer that we need to pray to God. Open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and he saw the hills filled with horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Let me tell you, my brothers and sisters, that there are the armies of God around you in the worst time that you face, that God has not taken a vacation. He is actually surrounding you with his love He wants to have you in your heart and to God. Say, Lord, open my eyes that I would see you, O God. Open my eyes. That's what Elisha prayed. He said, open his eyes. Open our eyes to see it. Elisha probably saw it because he was a prophet. He was in touch with God. But the Gehazi, whoa, man, God's forces are much more powerful and are all surrounding us with his love. Let me tell you, when you start saying to God, open my eyes, God, that I see you, that's where you look and say you could almost see it if we could put God in a human form. I've been waiting for you to say it. I've been waiting for you to want me above everything. I've been waiting for you to say, well, I'm tired of, of chucking up with turkeys. I want to soar like an eagle. I'm tired of doing, I'm tired of clucking with the turkeys. I'm tired of uh, just pecking, 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 all like that. God wants to reach for us to understand. He wants to intervene supernaturally. Where do you need God to intervene in your life? Will you pray today in this service? God, open my eyes that I would see. Open my eyes, open my ears, open my heart. I want to experience you in a greater way. I am sick of religion. God, give me Jesus in the whole thing. Religion does not prosper you. God brings his love into our lives. Religion only confuses you. It gives you a whole bunch of rules and, and you know, at different times people stoning you because they're oh, you don't fit into my thing. Hey, listen. Hey, God, you know what? You could, uh, God wants you to fit into his thing in this time. So in this time, the sun. what did Jesus say? Well, a very cool thing it says in, uh, in there. Uh, it says, so if the sun sets you free, you are free Indeed. Well, you may be coming to the church, and yeah, I love you all, really, I'll just say it. But I want to say something really clear. You can come to church, but you can go into your, you know, it's very good to come to church. I think coming to church is fantastic. I think it's, it's saved my life. But you know what? When you put a bicycle in a car garage, it does not make it a car It is still a bicycle. So just coming to church and I'm kind of doing my religious duty, that has very little effect, probably some effect, but not very much. But I'm talking about the power, supernatural power of God, where every day you say, I want you to work in me. I need to be set free. What did Jesus say? This is very cool. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. For he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor, and he has sent me to proclaim that captives be released, and the blind will see, that the oppressed set free. We will see in Genesis 28, Jacob saw the angels descending and descending. You can read about it. Peter walked on water. Uh, Matthew 14. Please don't poo-poo uh, Peter because he didn't. He didn't. Uh, he, he fell into the drink. Just have you ever walked on water for one second? All right. Hey, listen, I haven't. I would look and say, man, that took a lot of guts. Yeah. Say, I'm going to trust God. I'm going to step out in faith. Paul was told he was taken up to the third heaven supernaturally. After Jesus' resurrection, his apostles and disciples did the same thing he did. He healed this uh, man, as recorded in Acts chapter 3, at the gate beautiful. He was walking and leaping and praising God. Apostles set free from prison by an angel, Acts 5. Peter was set free from a prison by an angel, Acts 12. Cast out demons of a slave girl, Acts chapter 16. So manifestations of supernatural are common and they are to be everyday occurrences in the Old and New Testament life, as if as much as what we see and feel, even more, that his supernatural work is as r- more real to us than what we experience in the natural. I want to share with you. I believe I'd be remiss if I didn't do it. I'm going to share with you several instances in my own life in which there was a supernatural intervention of god supernatural that what i was planning naturally did not come to pass but the supernatural work of god did happen the first one 21 years old, I was in college, I went to a prestigious college. I was in my junior year, after my junior year, I was confused and addicted to alcohol. I was addicted to, yes, the Mike the disco scene, basically destroying my life. All kinds of immorality, things like that going on. One day after I was, after my my junior year, I was on a grassy location near the college I attended, When I started to cry out to God, I was sick of my life. I was drinking all the time, every weekend and through the week, and getting drunk and getting sobered then for Monday morning classes. That was my life. I chose to do it, but I was getting sick of it. My heart started to cry out. I didn't know who God was. I went to church and everything. I had no idea I knew what was going on. So this cry of the heart was met in the senior year when I came back in September. And in my dormitory, wouldn't you know, God had a plant. He had a young freshman, a young freshman came there from actually Virginia, lived there. And he came in and he started talking with me about Jesus. So let me tell you something, I found him very annoying. (laughs) Although, you know, we were talking and we kind of became friends, sort of, and I kept on giving him my answers. I well, you know, I mean, I go to church. At that time when I was there, I would sing and everything and churches would pay me to sing, to be ringers in their choirs and all, as he did to a lot of people that were at our college. And there, but he was so annoying He'd always be there. He said, well, I'm praying for you. I said, why? Why are you praying for me? And uh, he became my friend. Let me tell you something. He wasn't afraid that I was carousing all over the place. I'm doing all this stuff that was destroying my life. He wasn't afraid to reach out to me who was a sinner and... Ugh, I'm destroying my life. He didn't go with me drinking and all the rest of it. Finally, he started talking to me about a church. And I said, please, I mean, I go to church. Well, are they going to pay me to sing? No. No, but you can come. So after a while, I kept on, very annoying. Bob, he was very annoying. You know, I said, why do you keep on bothering me? Why do you keep on bothering me? Because God was using him to bother me. He was using him to bother me. All right. So finally, after a while, I started to, say, I, I started to see him. I said, well, you know, he's, he's a friend and, you know, kind of became friends and all that. Yeah, you can be a friend of sinners without sinning. Did everybody hear that? Yeah. 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 Oh, I don't want to go near them. Well, why? Jesus was a friend of sinners. Why do we keep ourselves away from the unsay what well, they're doing, all kinds of, because. Well, you know, I don't want to become like that. Well, then spend more time alone with God and have strength, more strength in your life. There it is. So there you go on. He kept on. finally, I went to church. I saw all these crazy, really, I thought it was crazy. I thought people were jumping up and down. They have your hands raised. They're speaking in Italian, I thought, <laughs> some type of Chinese. And I would, and I would ask them, well, I said, well they're speaking. And tell them, what is speaking? What? what do you mean what what do you mean speaking in tongues and they're jumping up and down and people there so after a while i became one of those people said wow i'm gonna get to the altar yeah i mean i need i need i need i don't know what i need but i need something there i went there it was there dormitories there but that was part of what they call the jesus movement where hundreds of thousands of young people came to jesus they Entered into these traditional churches and the churches were blown away by I was all part of that. But that was a God's supernatural intervention in my life for a mixed young man on the path of suicide. I was ready to end it. God heard the cry, he responded, he bought a man. Here we are. You're, you're a little late if you tell me that God does not work supernaturally. That's only one, here we go. Okay, let's go to the next one. Put your seatbelts on, here we are. They gave me a Bible. And that was in the first part of the, my senior year. You know, then we had a break in January and I started reading the Bible. They said, read the Bible, and said, Gospels. Okay, I'll read the Gospels. And faith started rising in my heart that I was a sinner and I needed forgiveness. I started reading, I said, yeah, okay. So I went, I was still drinking at this time by the way too, going to clubs and all the rest of it, all right? But so I went to January, the break we had, and by myself, I asked Jesus to come into my life and make me a new person, all right? So I went back and I went to this annoying person who I you know, started to love, he's a good person, and I said, Uh, hey, hey, Doug. Oh, what do you want? How was your thing? Okay, yeah, yeah. Hey, Doug. Hey, Doug. Hey, Doug. I asked Jesus to come into my life. So he didn't get up and down. You know what he did? This is what he did. Honestly, this is what he did. He said, no, you didn't. (laughs) Okay, so I I thought he was going to be jumping up and down. He's been talking about Jesus and taking me, you know, on on this uh, free-for-all in the church and all the rest. Well, no, I, I and so I went, so it was like I was doing the Roman road with him to remind him, this is how you receive Christ. So I'm at, I said, yeah, no, I know I'm a sinner. That's what it says in the Bible, okay, I'm a sinner, and Jesus died on the cross for my sins, and I asked him to come into my life and make me a new person. And he goes on and says, no, you didn't. And I said, what part of this don't you understand? No, he's been saved like this a long time. You know, God works. The Spirit of God works in ways that we cannot see. And this drunk person that kept on going and doing all kinds of stuff they shouldn't do, God's Spirit started speaking. He finally came around to it. And I have to say, I was ready to punch him out. (laughs) That doesn't sound too holy. No, it's not. But I said, God. I mean, you've been talking with me about Jesus through this whole time. Hey, listen, God works in ways you cannot see. Faith started rising in me. I was still drinking. I was going to bars less and less. I, I would start to feel this emotion called guilt. Guilt is great. Yeah, guilt is great. Yeah, when we do wrong, we should be guilty there, but to draw us back to faith in Christ. So faith started growing in me. Somebody then started one of the charismatics. We had a charismatic group, you know, Jesus Movement and everything going on. And they said, you know, you need the baptism in the Holy Spirit. I said, I was baptized as a Catholic. I was baptized, water baptized when I was a baby. And then I actually went to a Methodist church. I became a member and I had to be baptized. So they, they dunked me again. I was there. I wasn't saved. I didn't know anything about God. So what happened is in that period, um, they started talking to it. So they said to me, I still remember him saying to me, and I say it to other people, start reading the book of Acts, and you'll see about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. God started convincing me through the word. Faith started rising in my heart. And one day, as I was getting ready for bed, and I had my bathrobe on in my room, i have been asking, say, Lord, I want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And just really, all of a sudden, that there's a sense of the presence of God and I started speaking in tongues. Now, you wanna know what I did next, right? I'm I'm gonna say it. I was crazy, I'm sorry. The school mic is very true. So I started going and I started, you know, I, I was very excited about it, I'm by myself. So this is after midnight. I was not the most popular person in the dormitory at this point after I did this. I went to every charismatic brother in the dormitory, say, hey, guess what? I was just baptized in the Holy Spirit, and I started speaking in tongues to them. Can you ask how crazy? After 12 o'clock, they say, you need to go to bed right now. Stop <laughs> bothering me. You know? Some people say, oh, well, that's fantastic. They've been praying for me. Others say, you know what? The flesh took over. Please, let me go to sleep. I'll see you tomorrow and everything. But it was so exciting. I never sensed the love of God and the power of God before that, in such a personal way, see came in about a month later. Why did God help me? I think it is. I was just so desperate. I needed God. I needed more god i didn 't want and I was sick of religion i don 't want to be in religious i don 't want to be religious. I needed God. God intervened supernaturally and awakened my heart to his reality. I went after uh, graduating. I went back to my hometown, a lot of stuff happened. It was a, our family was, it was a very difficult time. Our upbringing was very difficult. No father, he died when I was in high school and things like that. But I said that God always has a plan and purpose for restoration. It was God's will that we went back and an intervention in my life. The one I'd like to highlight most is with my mother. My mother, her father committed suicide in England. She then married my father and he was a drunk. He was an alcoholic. That was the reality of his life. He, was, he would always spend it on you know, different things and there. So I don't know anything about him. But the mother, she had cancer. She had cancer about five years. Then I got saved at that point when I came back from college. I said, I'm gonna take care of my mother, help her and everything, she was not saved. She did not like it that I was going to a Pentecostal church. She had a lot of choice things to say and not most, most of which I cannot say right here, right? But she was very, why don't you go to a regular church? You know, regular. Why do you have to go three times a week? Because I need more in my life. I need something, I need. I don't know what I need, but I need more. So she came to the time, she wouldn't come to church, but three days before she passed, she asked me in the hospital bed, last time she would be there, that would you go and get your pastor? (gasps) Whoa, you wanna talk to pastor? And she said, yes, I wanna talk to him. She's gasping for breath because the cancer was in her lungs. So I said, sure, I'll go over. I knew he was coming back, he was on vacation, but I knew he would be coming back that night. I went over there, left a message for him to come over to the hospital if he could, and so it happens. So I'm there with my mother, she's gasping for breath. She's gasping for breath with lung cancer. And she asked me to go get my pastor. I said, I know she's responding to God. I knew that if she died, she would not go to hell, heaven, she would go to hell. I knew enough of the gospel. with it. So I was there, I still remember it. We had the conversation. Mom, he's not there, but I left a note for him to come. And right there, the spirit of God, not an audible voice, but I knew it was God there, said, tell her about Jesus right now. Tell her about me right there. And as clear as I could, I explained how Jesus died on the cross. And for the only time in my life, my mother and I prayed together. And she asked Jesus to come in your life. That, I'm telling you, it was miraculous. I, I, was, I was only saved, I think, maybe almost two years, and I didn't know anything. I was just, you know, I was, you know, I was getting better, you know, and getting good. I was stopped going to the bars. Thank God. Thank God Almighty and do that. But you know what? God showed me I love people more than you will ever love them and he showed me the mercy and love of God to my mother who would not come to church with me and always resisted, but God's love is irresistible. Change it, supernatural intervention. Three days later, she died. After the funeral, I became very depressed. It was very, I don't know, it was a lot of emotions that were going on. She was the center of our lives. you know, stuff like that we gone through. I didn't know a lot about spiritual warfare. I didn't know about it. I didn't know very much about it. And one day, I saw, and it, God gave me a vision. I don't plant my feet on visions. I plant my feet on the Word of God. But God gave it to me as a gift because I was depressed. And I said, I don't know what to do. I don't, I don't know how to deal with this and everything. And I saw my mother in a white robe, as clear as seeing any of you here. And she had her hands lifted to God, thanking him and praising him and worshiping him. I never experienced it on the earth, but God allowed me to see that, that she was with Jesus and that God loved her. Give the Lord a clap offering. It was. It was was as real as anything. I don't base my faith upon visions. They only stir it. They only strengthen and confirm it, things like that but it was a gift from God. That was God's supernatural intervention in my life. Then I met this girl from youth with a mission. Started coming to the Assembly of God. She was nice looking. Now, there were a lot of girls that were in our church, and I would date them, but I realized that God had called me to be a pastor, and not always is that compatible with people because of various uh, uniqueness of it. But so we started, and the reason, what did God do? One day, she, before we left in a church, the pastor was up there, he's ending the service. He says, I believe that I have a word from God. And she shared it in front of the whole congregation. And I said, that's my girl right there. A few months later, we were married. Our first hot date, I shouldn't say hot, that's nasty. I don't be in a nasty way either, but our first date. Oh, well, you probably take her to a nice place and everything. No, I was I was not wealthy. I was poor. <laughs> so our first place we went to, where was it? Wendy's. <laughs> and sometime later, which I'm not sure exactly, we upgraded it to Ponderosa. <laughs> Salad bars, things like that. You understand what I'm talking about? Okay. And i say, okay, but she was in youth of the mission. She didn't have any money. You know? So she's a, she's a poor missionary. There, there. They were serving, and she went there to go. Very cool. It was God's supernatural intervention because we got married, and she's been by our side. We've been side by side for all these 40, almost 43 years. God's good. All right, very good. We moved down to uh, a large church in Texas, we were on staff, I was there, I started an English congregation, a mainly Mexican thing here, okay, but it just was not working out properly, I think we got out of the will of God, we thought it was the will of God, it wasn't, so we moved like 1,500 miles like from the northeast, well, I need to go back to the northeast, so that started me going, I started walking a lot, walking. I'd go walking like for two hours. My well, where'd you go? I said, Well, I'm just walking, I'm just there. And I kept on crying out to God. I said, God, I don't know what to do. Have you ever been in the situation in your life where you didn't know what to do? Am I the only one? Come on now. I don't see you on this side. You're too dark over there. Have you all gone through situations you didn't know what to do in the situation? You're a Christian, you're serving God, you're trying to do it. Yeah, that's where it was. So I was just walking and said, Oh, you yeah. know, I'm walking. And everything and i was getting depleted i was you know just wasn't working out there's obviously it's going to need to be a change and so after a long time i have really forget how long that it started where i started to say okay and i started to get tired of being tired that's a good place to be because then you look and say oh maybe you'll listen to god so After a while, God couldn't get a word in edgewise with me. I'm just mouthing off, you know, I don't understand this. Why are they doing this and all this stuff? Until finally I just got so tired of being tired, I just stopped talking. And Brenda, you know what God told me? It was in my heart, not audible. He said, you do not have to understand everything to trust me. And on that road, when I was mouthing, oh, no, I don't know, do, I don't know, I'm depleted and everything, that word that was supernatural from God pierced my heart and said, Okay, now I understand. You want me to trust you no matter what. I don't have to understand everything to trust God. And neither do you. Can everybody say yes to that? Yeah. yeah. You don't have to understand. You may not understand a single thing that's going on, but you can trust God because he understands it all. That was a supernatural, divine encounter in my life. I'm bringing these things up, Say, so you know what? This is real stuff in our lives. All right. At 40 years old, I visited Florida, which is my birthplace. Uh, they, my parents split up, and so we were raised in South Jersey. It was where I born, and I saw my father's grave for the first time in my life. He had died when I was in high school. It was very emotional. I was sitting there. I was laying there just on the floor. If you'd see me, say, you know what? Let's call the medics because he needs to go to a behavioral clinic right now. It was that bad. And in that time, why did well, I sense God wanted to do something. It's stirring in my heart, but God wanted to set me free for the unforgiveness and bitterness towards my father. 40 years old. uh, If you had asked me if I had forgiven my father, I would have said yes. I did to the best of my ability, but God saw down deep in my heart where he wanted to set me free as a man to go on, okay? I'm there, supernatural intervention. I was able to forgive my father, enjoy a time with aunts and uncles that were still living, That was an intervention of the supernatural of God. In uh, 2020, and this is the last one, I was in a time of prayer. I uh, I do regular journaling, Um, not every day, but I'm usually pretty consistent with it. And I sensed, I was in there, I was having it in the morning, I'm writing stuff down in my journal, and all of a sudden the thought pops in me. Actually, it was in my spirit. I said, wow, this sounds crazy that in the next year, 2021, Phillip's family would go through a crisis. That's all it was, it was just, you know, I thought it was gonna be his lame-brained son that would go rock climbing in Yosemite National Park in California, that's where he lived. I thought, wow, you know, he was always doing crazy stuff like that. He was, so we thought that, so I told my wife, I said, what do you think about?" that? I said, let's just pray and ask God. January 2nd, my brother calls me. He's crying on the phone. He's crying on the phone. My brother never cried. And he said, I have leukemia, and it's fast growing. Next, I get a text from him. Would you send me encouraging spiritual thoughts? People don't say that unless they're responding to God. So I was there. I'm in there. I'm on there doing the stuff getting stuff done, calling him every day, sometimes twice a day. After a while, he started letting me pray with him. This was a miracle up with the loaves and fish. He did not come to church. He was quite well-to-do financially, built his own home. Actually, he was very generous to people. That's a very, very clear. But in his time, when his back was against the wall, he started crying out to God. And two months before he died, both of us were in the hospital room in the oncology unit of University of Pennsylvania. I asked him, I said, Phil, what about Jesus today? And he said, I'm ready. I'm ready to ask Jesus to come in. And this man who was back against the wall. He asked Jesus to come into his life. We started praying together. He called uh, at one o'clock in the morning one day, he felt like he was gonna die, and was there. And over the phone, I was in South Jersey, he was in the hospital, that right there, God took away whatever the problem was, was in his abdomen that was causing, he felt like he was dying, and God healed him right there of that, not of the leukemia. He went to be with Jesus two months later. Don't come to me and say that God is not merciful. He's loving and caring. He loves people. He cares for people. He, and the biggest thing that I kept on praying, this is, what it, this is it. This is the end. I'm almost in, right over here. This is it. This is it. Is that I kept on saying to God, help me not to mess this up. Help me to cooperate with you in this whole thing. And I learned through that that God wants me to cooperate with him. He has a plan, but he wants to cooperate, want me to cooperate with him. And I learned it on a personal level with him, right? Receive Christ, turn to the Lord, no pressure, never in a church, very, very little in a church. I'm sharing with you, my brothers and sisters, I don't care what you're going through in your life. God cares. Hey, it's such an honor to have you join us for service. I pray the word was a blessing to you. And I pray you avail yourselves to the, to, to the resources we have online. And if you're ever in the Elizabeth City area, or I mean Outer Banks or Tidewater, Virginia, make the drive, come visit us one Sunday. We would love to welcome you here and you can experience this uh, yourself. As, as one man used to say, can't be explained, can only be experienced. There's some truth into that. Anyhow, thank you for watching. I pray the Lord will bless you and that you grow in your faith and fulfill the call that God has on your life. We here at Fountain of Life